In his second letter to Timothy, the Apostle Paul writes these words, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and by his kingdom, preach the word. Be urgent, in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, and exhort. Be unfailing in patience and in teaching. This is In Season and Out of Season, a Bible teaching ministry with Father Tom DiLorenzo. There's Father Tom and a young man named Luke. Luke, welcome and introduce yourself. Thank you, Father. Uh, it's really great to be here today. My name is Luke Niewodomski, and I am visiting town from New York. He's from New York, and he's going to tell us his story. It all begins with, well, tell us what it begins with. <laughs> um, well, actually, I can rewind back to when I was uh, in my early 20s. Um, I had an ego about me, a pride um, that kept growing as I got older. And from that, I really had turned away from the faith. I, I believed that Christians were more or less brainwashed by a book. And I therefore just basically became atheist, but had a strong sense that there was something more at the same time until I discovered Buddhism. And so once I discovered that, I heard teachings around, oh, we have direct experience that you can rely on. You don't have to rely on a book. So I dove in head first and became a Zen Buddhist monk, if you can believe it. Um, and I lived in a temple for 10 years following that practice. And so after pursuing this path for that long, I, I really dove deep into meditation and the practice of surrendering that practice of, how do I say, it was, it was a search for virtue, a search for holiness, but without a savior. I really wanted to have control of my destiny, and I thought I had found it here through taking up my own responsibility for my own sins, if you could call them that in Buddhism. I call it karma, but you would, you would go forward and you'd say, I can do this, I'm going to reach enlightenment or some form of heaven through my own accord. Um, so I really practiced that intensely for a long time. And I think I made some traction, but not a lot. I re it really was taking taking on the entire salvation practice on my own. Um, and so that led me into a sort of despair. I think I had put so much into it and expected quite a bit out. I was promised quite a bit. And after about 10 years of that, I started looking out the window, trying to find something more. And that led me into more new age practices, perhaps, where you have still control over your spiritual growth, but wanting something that was had more teeth to it than meditation seemed to have for me. I also thought, well, you know, why don't I just try the corporate life? You know, get a job, live the American dream. You know, I can do that in parallel. Maybe this is where I'll find happiness because, you know, I didn't become enlightened, so I've got to keep going. I'm still alive. What do I do? Um, so I leaned into my career, and if you put career and new age together, I actually was really driven for worldly success. I really wanted to create my heaven here on earth as best I could. You know, that was my motive in Buddhism, too. 
um, which I still practiced. Um, so that worldly pursuit of happiness, um, I, I think it had some short-term gain. Like it, it was just enough short-term gain to encourage me to keep going. You know, I was like, oh, I'm a little happier this year than last year, so I'm going to keep going. And oh, I'm making more money. I'm getting promotions. I should keep going. This is encouraging. Um, so I worked harder and harder at that. So instead of working on the meditation mat, I was just working at a job. Um, and I became successful. I received, I think, over 50 patents in innovation. I was really into technology. Um, I got promoted year after year, uh, became a manager, then a senior manager. So it looked like I was on the right track. I was like, okay, I think I've figured out how to go beyond the, the old Buddhist approach and just add in more complexity and worldly gain into that. But this is working. This is now where I'm going to be happy. Um, and I ended up then thinking, well, I need, I need a wife. I need to continue this journey towards fulfillment. And so I met a beautiful woman. Um, she moved to Bermuda. I followed her there. So now I'm working a great job, um, living in Bermuda with a beautiful girlfriend who became my fiance. I'm going to the beach every day. And I think I was like, I think I've pretty much figured out life now. I've got, I've got new age practices, Buddhist practices. I've got all this going for me. And I didn't really want to admit that I still had an emptiness underneath that. That was all layered upon a foundation made of sand, is the way I might think of it. And so I, I knew that in my in my in the depths of my heart, I knew I wasn't settled. I hadn't felt that true purpose in my life, and I was seeking it in all these complicated ways with all this effort, so much effort. If I think back on how much effort I put into. I think I meditated 10,000 hours, maybe. Um, how many hours I put into my degree, my master's degree, my job, working late. Um, how many hours I put into trying to make my relationship work. Well, first of all, finding one. So much work. And I'm really not getting back what I'm putting in. You know, I'm putting all this in for, for that fulfillment. And it's not really there. It, all is in front of me is now I've got to do more. I've got to do more of that same type of work. Um, but I've got the beach. I've got some financial security. I've got a girlfriend. I've got some things that kind of offset that. So I'm attached to the world. And all of a sudden, Jesus starts to show up in a couple different ways. I think I started to open up to the fact that he was not a fictional character in a book written by people that um, were trying to create a church. I think that's what I believed. Some historical figure that got inflated over time. I started to realize, wait, maybe he's a real person and he really does exist in the spiritual realm to some degree. I hadn't bothered to research it or anything, but I did start to open up about that. I think I heard, a, I read a near-death experience where they met Jesus, and I'm like, oh, this sounds actually kind of legitimate, <laughs> like that this really did happen to somebody. And so I, once I started to open up to him, 
and to his existence, really. He started to show up. And a few things happened one after the other where I became more and more open to, to him. And then I became a little more open to the church. The church didn't look like a like brainwashing factory like I thought it was. It looked more like um, an institution with flaws and goodness. I was a little like tolerant of it, maybe. Didn't, I wasn't anti-church anymore. And that was a grace. That just happened to me slowly but surely. And so I'd poke my head in now and then. And, and just one time it was just to hear there was a Gregorian monk uh, chanting going on from uh, an abbey I was nearby. I'm like, oh, I want to go listen to the monk's chant. Something as simple and innocent as that. But it gave me more and more openness. Um, but really what started to strike me was that one time I was at a mass and the Eucharist had this appeal to it. And I'm going to have a hard time describing it, but it was a, it was a supernatural appeal where when I went home, I felt like I really wanted it. Like, like when I'm thirsty, I really want water. It was that same type of drive. Like it, it was a feeling of when can I go to mass and receive the Eucharist? Um, so anyway, I went to confession for the first time in 25 years and had this powerful experience of the Holy Spirit. Now that I look back, I don't think I recognized what it was at the time, but my heart opened up from that confession. And it wasn't even with necessarily a um, profound priest. I think he was just reading his response to me off of a page that he had printed out for the day. Um, but I walked out of that confessional and I, I could feel my heart physically for a few hours, like there was a glow in it. And then I would go receive the Eucharist and it would affect me. And it would affect me in a way that wasn't on the surface. It was something deeper. Like I'd go home and my thoughts would turn back to it. And I didn't understand this. Tell us about the time when the priest held up the Eucharist and what happened to you emotionally. So there was a point in the mass when the priest would hold up and say, behold the Lamb of God. And I was at the Mass, and I think I was asleep. <laughs> I wasn't, again, I wasn't like a believer. I was just going to church, and I was dozing off, you know. It was boring. They're doing something up there on the altar now. And he holds it up, and I wake up with tears in my eyes, and I'm staring at the Eucharist, and it penetrated me. And I felt this joy, happiness, um, like those tears of joy. It's, it's a deep emotion. It feels like it's a mix of a few. And I went back to church, um, I think the next week, and that it happened again at the same time. So that gave me some kind of curiosity. Like, I didn't understand that. It didn't, it, it didn't make me shout out, Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Um, I just knew that I was having a personal encounter that was beyond my understanding. It was beyond my comprehension or explanation, but I didn't try to explain it. I just went home, you know, kept living. Um, but until one day I thought, you know what? They have mass at 6 a.m. My fiance is asleep. I sleep less than her. Why don't I try a new routine? Why don't I get up and go to that 6 a.m. mass and, and just encounter this Eucharist every morning? to start my day. It just seemed kind of like a, like a nice routine. Um, I'd, go, I'd go from church to the gym. Like, that's how I thought of it. 
Like I got to do these things to just get my day going, get me out of the room, get me out of bed, get going. So I go to the mass half hour, go to the gym, less than a half hour, <laughs> go home, get to work. Um, and I'd have those encounters every time, five days in a row, Monday through Friday. And on Saturday, so I've only done this for one week. I've done this five times in a row. On Saturday, my fiance says to me, I don't like this church thing that you're doing. And we argued about it. I'm, I'm, I don't see why it matters. You're sleeping. I'm just getting a, just a healthy routine going. I didn't try to explain anything that was happening to me supernaturally. I just was saying, oh, I kind of like going to church. And she, she felt threatened by that. Something deeper in her made her react to it. And it, it ended our relationship. We discussed it. She really didn't like me going to church. And I felt that something powerful was happening that I wanted to lean further into is how I put it to her. I'm like, there's something happening here and I don't get it, but I, I know that I want to do it and I know I'm being called to do it. So I'm going to, I'm more encouraged to go more often. I mean, not more than once a day, but just do more things related to whatever's happening in this Catholic church. And she particularly didn't like the Catholic. I don't know why. Um, I have ideas, but, but the long story short was I ended up leaving Bermuda. We broke up over that. And I wasn't really Catholic yet. I was just going to mass and, and, and really just trying the sacraments was the way I thought about it. Let me try to go back to confession. Let me continue to go to the Eucharist. But that began, it was like a ball started to roll downhill. Once I left Bermuda and I broke away from the relationship and I started to lean more into God. I didn't even think of it as Jesus. I just thought it was something related to God. I started to understand the faith, <laughs> not through reading and learning and hearing about it, but it just started to make a little more sense. This idea of a savior, I had never really contemplated that before. I thought we could do this on our own. There was something more to life, but we can do it. Just work hard, meditate, um, do yoga, you know, maybe go to church. Like I thought of it in this framework, but we're doing it. I didn't understand that there was a savior, but once I started to open up to the church, it became more and more clear somehow. It was just clear that that was a necessary and wonderful thing to have a savior that came to earth to help us on this journey to to provide for us what we lack which is far more than we have the ability to offer um, so anyway after starting to realize that i thought why don't i just try a couple more catholic things <laughs> since they're working so well my spiritual growth it feels like it was accelerating more than it ever did after all that monastic work even and it, uh, I think I heard it from a recommendation. Why don't you try praying the rosary every day? Your life will change. I'm like, oh, I like the idea of my life changing. Because actually my life was a bit in shambles at the moment, right? I had just left. I lost my fiance. I lost my home because I was living in Bermuda. And I felt like I was losing my career. This might be another story, but my career was based on my pride, I see now. And all of a sudden I wasn't motivated like I used to be. Like I was motivated by climbing the ladder and becoming more successful and having good, uh, good acclimations at work 
and all, those motivations were fading away. So my um, career fulfillment was fading away with it. So anyway, I'm in shambles from losing all of this. I felt like I was losing my entire life, um, but yet I was gaining something far greater. And so um, I started praying the rosary every day, thinking I need change, I'm open to that. And I developed a relationship with Our Lady through that. And I could start to see her presence in my life and feel her presence, and I started to open up to her more. And then things really started to accelerate. Um, it felt like after praying the rosary, I could see the areas of my life that were corrupted with sin. Many areas. I think I was just unpacking the part about my career being corrupted with, with sin. Um, but then I could see how my relationships were. You know, the, it was based on neediness and lust and security. And really it was me trying to control my life me trying to find happiness on this earth and not looking beyond. And so I was getting these gifts of revelation, if you can call them that, through the prayer. And I feel like that shuttled me right into the Catholic faith um, very quickly. Um, but I, it leaned back on me being open to trying it, me being open to saying the prayer. Tell us about how you got to Medjugorje. Oh, yes. Okay. So now things really start to pick up. Okay. So now I'm a self-proclaimed Catholic. Never thought I would say that, but here I am. I'm a Catholic now. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to continue praying and going to church and learning what the catechism has to say shoot, reading the Bible. Like that wasn't something that was on my radar before. Now I'm doing that. And I continue my rosary practice throughout all of this. One night, one evening, I'm praying my rosary and I felt this message in my thoughts, in my head, like I heard it. And it was this come to Medjugorje was, was how I would translate it. But it was really more of a, a deeper, like, call that I could feel more than words themselves. But what came with that was this urge, like my heart sprung open at wanting to go there. And I didn't really know what this place really was. I knew it was a, an apparition site. Like I knew that Mary had appeared in Fatima and all these different places, Ireland, you know, I knew it was on some list of sites that Mary supposedly appeared in the past. That's what I thought. So I don't think it was it was uh, expected that I would want to go to this one. But I w felt a little hypnotized. I went home and bought a plane ticket. <laughs> and I think uh, later that same day, I quote unquote came to my senses and thought, what have I done? I bought a plane ticket to Bosnia and Herzegovina, a place that I couldn't even spell. And I don't really even know what it's about. And so I'm thinking maybe I'll cancel my plane ticket. Um, but before I did, I started researching it and hearing all these testimonies. And oh my goodness, they, all these people claiming miracles and their heart was changed and it was um, the best trip they've ever been on. And so much, un so many miracles unfolded while they were there and after they were there. I'm hearing these testimonies online and all of a sudden I get really excited. <laughs> 
And so um, one testimony in particular, it was um, Father Dan Rehill. He told his story about how he, how he was a Wall Street banker and he went to Medjugorje and his whole life changed and now he's a priest. I said, wow, that, that is quite a testimony. So I went and changed my plane ticket to add a week to it, not to cancel it. And then when I'm in the airport to go there, there's, there he is, Father Dan, the person I saw online that had really inspired me to add that week to my trip. Um, so anyway, I got, to, I got to meet him and spend um, lots of time with him on the trip. He took me under his wing. And that trip utterly changed my life. Um, I think if I could summarize it quickly, it was that during that trip, I could feel very palpably that God loved me, that Mary loved me, that Mary was real and there, and, and they wanted me to be fulfilled. I was searching for this my whole life. I wanted fulfillment. And it occurred all of a sudden, oh, God wants that for me too. And Jesus is here. Jesus wants to help me. Mary wants to help me. I've got, I've got um, spiritual support in ways beyond that I could, I could ever have known. And it, that just all of a sudden, that truth became very apparent. I don't know how, but it was. And it, what it led me to do was to think, you know, I wonder what God wants me to do with my life. I've been busy trying to figure out what I wanted to do and asking God for help. And it flipped. It just flipped over and it was, what does God want and how can I help God? Which was 180 degrees shift in my, just in my attitude. There was no content to that. It was just a, a perspective or a position that I had around how can I help God with what his will is? What does he want me to do? And so that was the power of that trip for me. I came back. That was what I took away from it. Lots of miracles, lots of fun stories I could tell during that trip. But that was really, I think, the, the core of what I came home with was the sense of wanting to find God's will for me in my life. So just taking that stance, taking that position of, God, what is your will? It wasn't but a couple days later that I felt this strong joy and desire towards uh, the vocation of the priesthood. And I would not have thought... During Medjugorje, I'm telling people, oh, no, I'm not called to be a priest. I don't want that. I have an attraction to, towards marriage. Like, that's something I desire, so that must be my call. But I wasn't really asking God. I was just, I think I was interpreting my desire for that to be my vocation and to be God's will and to think, oh, I'm only going to be happy if I have marriage. And once I opened up to saying, you know what, whatever, God, you have a plan for me. What is it? actually believe now that you actually have a plan for me and I'd be interested in hearing what it is. And the message was coming through to move towards the priesthood. And that came with a trust that if that's what God wants for me, that's where I'm going to have fulfillment. It's not a matter of I'm going to go down this path and regret it and suffer, but that I'll actually find fulfillment if I follow God's will in whatever form it might take. I guess... I'm open to finding out what that's actually like because I've spent my whole life trying to write the script myself. Um, but to follow what God's script is, is, is a new adventure for me. And, and that's where I'm left today. Th this trip to Medjugorje was last month. It was in September. 
Um, so this is happening very quickly, uh, but it's very wonderful. I feel I, I feel different than I've ever felt before. Absolutely, there's there's a spirit. I guess it's the Holy Spirit. There's the Holy Spirit in my life, in a way that's so blatantly powerful that I I can feel it right now. Like it like I'm I'm being guided along this path, and that's such a relief that I don't have to figure this out. I can I can be oh I can be a child of God, and that that is a wonderful feeling to have. That it reminds me of when I was a child. It's all about surrender. It's all about here I am, Lord. I come to do your will. It's all about here I am, Lord, whatever you want. And there are people listening today that God's calling them to the priesthood. And you need to respond. You need to respond in faith. In faith. I want you to call Father Eric Caden. He's the vocation person of the Archdiocese of Boston, Father Eric Caden. Continue. We have another minute. Oh, okay. Well, within the last minute, I think the state of mind that I'm in today that I can share is I feel a great amount of uncertainty for what's ahead paired with a great amount of gratitude. And that's not a combination that I'm familiar with. I've had a lot of uncertainty before paired with anxiety and fear and, and, and feeling this strong urge to try to control things and, and figure things out. And this is the first time in my life where I've been faced with a complete amount of uncertainty and not a lot of fear or anxiety, but quite the opposite, gratitude and trust. Um, and I hadn't mentioned I uh, quit my job. I don't know what's ahead for me. I'm applying towards seminary, um, but there's plenty of time before that even begins. I just know that God has something something planned for me other than the career that I had built up myself, and I'm so excited to find out what that is. Well, thank you so much for your sharing. Thank you, God, for what you've done and are doing in Luke's life. God bless you. This has been In Season and Out of Season with Father Tom DiLorenzo. A tape of this week's series of messages is available to you with a donation when you write to this new address, Father Tom DiLorenzo, P.O. Box 602, East Boston, Mass. 02128. Please make a note of it. And remember that this ministry is supported only by the donations of listeners, so please help as the Lord leads you. That new address again is Father Tom DiLorenzo, P.O. Box 602, East Boston, Mass. 02128. And be sure to listen again next time for In Season and Out of Season. Oh.